Hi and welcome to another podcast with me on OK Futurism Think Tank or TT. Um, oh my god, this podcast is gonna be a mouthful. So if you have just a couple minutes to just listen in, grab whatever you need to grab in, and if you follow me on Instagram, my Instagram uh, page is OK Futurism TT. So look for me there. And if you're coming from the Instagram page, thank you for coming. Oh my god, I think it's, I don't know if people are not aware of where I'm located on all of the platforms. I'm located um, on Spotify, I'm located on Breaker, and then of course Anchor. So, if you follow me on Instagram, you've seen some of my posts, and my posts have been you know i've been trying to post every day things to watch signs to watch for videos to watch movies to watch and um oh my god i'm just listening to a a video and this person made such an epic point and i wonder if and this is what the democratic uh candidate was saying he was kind of touching on it a little bit. Um, his name was Mr. Yang, um, with the whole universal income thing, and what that person said in that video. And I think the name of the video. Uh, I you know what? Let me think. I'm trying to remember. Like I watched two videos today. And I wonder if it was the first or the second. I think it's the first one. The one that I posted recently, that's the one he it was on. And what he said was, robots don't need schools. They don't need um, roads. They don't need fire departments. They don't need police officers. And they don't pay taxes. And that was so profound. And that's why I'm doing this podcast today, which is titled, America is not ready for AI. All right. (laughs) So stay tuned and listen up. Okay. So that person's comment was so profound because a lot of these companies from the get-go, they don't pay taxes. So if they are not paying taxes and they are replacing not just any old people, a lot of these workers in um, car factories, factories for cars and stuff like that, a lot of those workers are low-skilled workers who are make up a big part of middle class, uh, the middle class society. What will happen to them? So being in the middle class, I believe your salary should be around 50,000 or 60. So if two people are coming into a household with that amount of money, they're paying good taxes. And these taxes go to what schools, all the social um all the social programs and as well the military. Uh I oh my god, I have so much to say about the military because what is the government really thinking about this? These companies are cutting out your your taxes but you're not taking any taxes from them you see the you know these companies no longer need to pay social security these companies no longer need to pay these things 
So where is, what's going to happen with the society? How does it work? Now, the United States, the video that I posted, it mainly documents and shows how China is doing it. China is doing it different. The government is heavily invested in AI technology and China is perfectly fine with taking care of their people. This is not their this is not their problem. They don't see they don't have a problem with taking care of their citizens. They do what they have to do for their citizens. You know, they just need to figure out how to deal with viruses once they get once they have some kind of situation because their diet and everything is so different than the United States. You know, it's a very adventurous diet, so let's put it that way. But they have they make work for their people. Even if they have to send their people away to different countries, I think a lot of people don't understand, they, you know, how, how that country they work in terms of, you know, when people leave that country and they set up shop in a beauty supply store, whether it's a, a, a nail store, nails, um, pedicure, whatever, grocery, you know, or is it if it's a construction company because they do a lot of construction jobs in they're doing a lot of construction jobs in Africa, in African sorry African countries in the Caribbean. So, and when they do these jobs, the people that are working are Chinese citizens. They're not the locals of the country, so they are finding work for their people. If it's not in their country china they find it outside so they make sure that their people are employed and the government is very heavily involved in that i don't think that happens in the united states i don't think the united states government is invested in sending people who work in factories in the united states sending them abroad to work in another country and help them make uh, a living and a lot of Americans, if they they don't need to travel to another country to make a living, they're not going to do it. They don't want to do it. You know, they're used to one thing and they want to stick to that. Or if, or if they change, they want to do something that is as simple. Because a lot of people who work in factories, they don't have advanced degrees. They have a high school diploma. diploma. So they're called low-skilled workers. It's so funny that now I have this phrase, low-skilled workers, thanks to the UK, because in the UK, they don't want low-skilled workers. So, so we have this, 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 this conundrum where countries like the United States and also um, the UK don't want low-skilled workers. Why? Because they have a lot of low-skilled workers that they have no work for. So, what will we do with all low-skilled workers if they don't want to do certain jobs? And the jobs that they were doing, they no longer do. Let me give a second here. Let me just log back in. Yeah, so what are we going to do with this? What is going to happen? I don't know, but I think the United States and a lot of these countries are not ready for the AI particularly the u.s and this is why okay the u.s is not a country of conformists this is why ai is so successful in china because their culture is a conformist culture they believe in the 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 bigger picture and the um the good of china 
So people will conform to the norms of the country in order, in order to thrive, for China to do well in the universe, in the world. You know, that's the culture of China that's embedded in them. And if you are not a conformist, bad things can happen to you. Let's just put it that way. So the United States is not a conformist country. This country was built by non-conformists. Let me explain. It all started with the U.S. and British relationship. Britain had a culture of kicking people out of their country. And with so many um, colonies that they had, they could afford to do it, right, at the time. So they started this thing called a penal colony. I don't think, I don't, this is something that I did not learn in school and I did American history, right? I did not learn this in school. It's called penal colonies. And so there were people living in the United States from other countries, like I think from the Netherlands, that was up in the New York area before Britain was there. So there were other um, nations that had their little plot of land in the United States, the current United States. They had a little place. I think France had a part, you know, they had a place, uh, Spain had a place, but it sw- it, sw- it swapped back and fro- forth. I think that was um, in Florida area. That was like French quarters maybe and Spanish. And, you know, everybody had their little cut of the United States. But the UK was unique in that they wanted, to, they wanted to send their prisoners to the Americas, right? And that was, that was the United States was a penal colony for a lot of years. For I think, I don't, I don't have the exact dates, but this is a simple Google search. Look up U.S. penal colony and you'll find the years. It was for a lot of years, more years than the United States existed, right? So while they were that, eventually, you know, these places developed they became towns you know they became established and people that's where people wanted to be represented in parliament but how can a penal con- colony be represented in parliament if you're not recognized as anything you're just a place for dumb for people that they don't want in england anymore these are like um people who were political refugees you know they were of course they're not conforming to the, U- the uk norms um and people who are doing having were in religions that don't ex, that they don't want people practicing in the UK. I think uh, UK it's um, what is the religion that they follow over there? The Queen's religion? I don't remember. So that's where you know the pilgrims come in. The pilgrims were not welcomed in the UK. They were following a religion that was not a conformed religion in the uk so they even though they have this elaborate story of them leaving for a better world they were leaving because their religion and their faith was not recognized and it was practically illegal in the uk so they that will follow they were forming they were not sorry not forming they were leaving a country that they were not accepted in and so they were moving to a penal colony a penal colony that was huge and was full with a lot of like really bad people like people that were going to be executed or close to being executed you're thinking of robbers rapists everything under the sun i, I mean like witches 
that's what they called the well, you know we know the um the witch trials that they started but you know they these people started they they left the uk for that reason so the whole hokey pokey um argument that they left for better land they left because they were basically rejected by the uk and their religious form was not accepted there that's why they left so we have this country the united states that's filled with a bunch of nonconformists. what do you think happens when a bunch of nonconformists come together of course they're going to have a revolution they're going to have a war and that's what happened so that being said let me run you down a couple things that was that was had in a nonconformist country like the united states and it mainly happened through one thing and this is something that we must admit and have to recognize propaganda is the number one way to get nonconformists to do things and how do they do it through fear fear is the number one thing that gets americans i think it's basically i can't say for other countries maybe now other countries ha- are coming becoming more like that but Fear is the number one way that um, that you can get Americans to do things, to make big shifts. But I don't know if I don't know what fear you can use for it to introduce AI into the United States. It would have to be sneaked in some way, and I'll show you how it was sneaked in in one way as we go along. So propaganda propaganda was used to get the american revolution right we know what the outcome is here we are today the united states another one was the fear of 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 losing income and an economy because uh and that caused the abolition of slavery that was the fear that was the thing that caused the civil war in the united states that People were going to lose their income, their economy, and they were fearful of that. And so people picked up arms and then there was the Civil War causing the abolition of slavery. Now that to me is one of the best, (laughs) best propaganda and best um, outcome because people shouldn't be enslaved, you know? I think that's like so negative okay so the next one was prohibition what did they use what fair tactic did they use the fear of decaying family morals you know your husband is going out getting drunk and he's coming back and he's beating the children he's beating his wife if you look through the documentary of um prohibition on pbs that was what they used that was a tool that they used to drive home and finally have prohibition approved. That was what they used. Propaganda, again. Another one was um, the end of prohibition, okay? How did they use the fear, fear to, to end prohibition? Well, there was the fear of gangs and violence, increased violence in cities across the United States. And then finally, the thing that really tipped the scale to end prohibition 
was the depression. So there was, they needed money. They need, they had no money to end this depression. And so they needed to tax something. And of course, taxing alcohol, the thing that people love and need, and all of these companies and stuff like that. So they, 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 that was one way that they finally got the end of prohibition through the fear of um, the fear of a failed state, basically. So they needed some sort of income. The government needed income. To me, that was like the only positive thing about the ending of prohibition because with the ending of prohibition, legalizing alcohol, there was um, a lot of road fatalities. We can count how much road fatalities was caused by alcohol consumption a lot. Health issues like the health, the uh, medical industry um, saw increase in a lot of things because now before prohibition, before alcohol was like a legal thing, because the issue of um, the issue that was coming from people consuming alcohol so much was because people were making it wasn't in law it was there was no laws in place so how to make alcohol so people were doing some really nefarious things and alcohol was poisonous sometimes because there were people using things that people should be consuming and so people having health issues and dying from consuming alcohol but with the laws being put into place for alcohol and how it should be regulated and made that was out of the picture but now we were seeing that the alcohol itself made legally was causing health issues so that caused health issues it caused domestic violence increasing that caused a lot of problems so there was a positive thing that happened from all of the fear of to end the prohibition and there was some negative things and the most no sorry i forgot before i get to the most recent one then there was the war on drugs what was the fear tactic and propaganda that was used? The fear of black people, the fear of being um, being involved in, in, in drugs and drugs rampant, you know, killing out the, in the cities. This was kind of the same kind of pro- uh, propaganda used for the prohibition because prohibition was the dawn of the gangs. That was the beginning of gang life. And then the drug drugs in cities is just like a replication of the same thing so who started the first the irish the italians so drugs drugs in the streets in the cities across the united states was a replica of the ones um war on alcohol and so while the war on alcohol it got a lot of people killed. Same thing with the war on drugs. But what happened is they incarcerated a lot of people in their prime years. You need citizens in their prime to be productive. But if you incarcerate all of them, what, what happens? You have a huge gap of people living incarcerated for, for years and they're unproductive. That can have a huge impact on the economy. Instead of taking those people and putting them in an environment where they can learn and grow and become better citizens, incarcerating them is not good for the society. So that was a downfall with war on drugs. It got some people out of off of drugs, but they're not productive citizens. So then finally, this is the one, one, one propaganda that sneaked in AI and that is 
the war on terrorism. What happened? Whether they used, the fear that they used was terrorism, more terrorism. We need to fight terrorism because of 9-11. A war was started. The war in the Middle East was started. What happened out of that fear? There was, an if people wanted to increase the military budget, they got it because of that war on terrorism, that fear of war in, on, um, sorry, that fear of terrorism. They got an increase in the military budget. It's still increasing. And what they're doing with the military, they're in, they're sneaking in AI in that. Um, uh, the low, low, uh, investment in infrastructure, that is a problem for everyone, right? Then the loss of privacy and the introduction of AI in civil society. So there was the introduction of AI in military and the introduction of AI in civil society and losing privacy. So that's how they get AI sneak it into our into our um into our society through fear, through propaganda, and that's how they did it. They didn't outright say, okay, we're gonna be monitoring everyone we're gonna have cameras on every street pole we're gonna have cameras in the sky in androids people are not gonna fall for it because why the united states is a non-conformist society and that's why it will take forever and ever for ai to thrive in this society because we're non-conformist so that's it i try to just squeeze everything into um this podcast i don't want it to be too too long it's very compact a lot to think about i hope you enjoyed do come back for more okay bye